a lot of people just can come into a role and just do the job and go home. But you're not going to get every ounce of production out of that person. But on the other side of the coin, if you build that professional emotional relationship with that person and they know that you have their best interest in mind, then you're going to get every ounce of production out of that person. They'll be willing to give it to you. So, you know, that's kind of an example that I've seen work. And, you know, I've been blessed to see from mentors and leaders that I've worked for in the past. And I had to put that into my playbook. Why do some companies succeed in driving growth while others fail? How do some individuals advance in their careers to lead teams that change industries? In the age of mobile, these are the stories of the companies shaping the way we interact with our world and the people who drive their growth. Welcome everyone to How I Grew This Podcast. Today we have a special guest, Eddie Christian, who is the VP of Customer Experience at Resi. Eddie is a talented and seasoned post-sale organization strategist with over 20 years of experience in customer success, customer experience, sales, and marketing. He brings a wealth of expertise with particular strengths in increasing customer satisfaction and a focus on decreasing churn, process enhancements, improving and workflow designs to optimize the customer experience. With an abundance of experience in building teams, Eddie has a unique skill and understanding on how to train and mentor team members with a focus on internal collaboration and team member growth. In this episode, Eddie will share his experience, insights, and strategies, and how he's grew his career and became a successful leader. So welcome to the show, Eddie. We're so happy to learn from you and about your journey here. I'd love to hear about your background and how you got started in your career before we get to where you are today? Yeah, yeah. That's actually a great question. If I'm being honest, it began from a need to survive, you know, after playing sports. Wow. When you're playing sports and you you get that call and they tell you, you know, they're going to let you go or release you, you know, you've got to do something. And, you know, you're going to have to do something different than what you've been trained to do pretty much for the greater part of your life. And so for all intents and purposes, you have to redefine yourself and reinvent yourself. It's one of those things that all players go through at some point in time. But, you know, for those people that didn't make a substantial amount of money, millions of dollars, that transition can be really tough. So, you know, for me, I was fortunate enough to get a sales job with a financial institution selling mutual funds and and whole life insurance and began cutting my teeth in the sales environment. So, you know, I wanted to make sure from that point I was well-rounded. So I was able to get into sales leadership from there got into leadership roles in marketing. And then when customer success was first born from the support structure, it was a natural transition from my contact center leadership roots. So that's how it all started. And you were an athlete in Major League Baseball, right? For eight years. I think you even went to the Olympic trials for baseball. Yeah, yeah, I did. I also read that you were like a stunt double. How do you think those (laughs) things kind of helped you in like transitioning into basically sales and tech? Yeah, you know, It's kind of funny as well, because I learned to work even harder than before. You know, I say this because, you know, as a youngster, as a youth, you have a certain level of success in sports and you think that you're good when it's actually a big indicator that you need to work harder than you did in the past. To really take advantage of, you know, the blessings that you were blessed with to begin with. So, you know, I was thinking of a story just like at the Olympic trials. These players are typically the cream of the crop and they had tools and abilities that, you know, I had never seen before. And to be quite honest, there were a few areas where they were way more advanced than I was. And so it really forced me to get back in the lab and get back to work because at the end of the day, you know, every athlete, he hates to be embarrassed. He hates to be unprepared, which translated into my leadership style, which is just based on work ethic. You know, I'm going to be the most prepared 
executive that I can be and just work harder than anybody else. And that's what I hang my hat on. That's amazing and so inspiring. Can you tell us about your role today? You know, you talked about how you started at Wells Fargo. How did you get from there to your role today? And then what does your role today entail? You know, in my role, it was more of a maturation process. As I alluded to a little bit before, I started off in sales, then worked my way into uh, marketing leadership at some point, and then, you know, moved over from contact centers over to customer success. So it was actually a planned out process where I wanted to be well-rounded. So when I start to think about, you know, currently what I do, a lot of this stuff translates from industry to industry. So I think I can stop there from that part. How about, you know, when we think through your career, what's like one significant challenge or obstacle that you encountered during your career and what actions did you take to overcome it? Tell us a story. Yeah, I got you. You know, everybody has quite a few challenges, you know, with their career and tons of obstacles, if you will. But I'll say, you know, I was working for a lender in the mortgage industry a while back and we had to shut down our mortgage division on the back of the mortgage crash. And so one of the toughest things I've had to do is lay off right around 60 of my team members, including myself. And so the task of trying to make sure that each individual team member was equipped and okay and had the skills and resources and even the confidence to get back on their feet was definitely a wake up call for me. I mean, that event made me get laser focused on how to conduct a proper job search. You know, for me personally, I met with countless coaches and career advisors and things of that nature and individually tried to go back and share it with the people that had been displaced just like I was. And so, you know, it made me realize that personal relationships are typically going to outweigh college courses, degrees, things that you may have studied when it comes to getting that next job opportunity. So that was a challenge. And, you know, that's how I dealt with it. It's interesting. I think, you know, we're like in a, such a hard part of the economy. And I think, you know, we're seeing layoffs everywhere. Any advice do you have from that? You know, having to lay off a whole team and yourself, you said that you equipped those people with like the right tools. What are some like tips from that? And then also do the job search. You know, you mentioned relationships. Are there any other tips for people who maybe went through a layoff recently and are looking for a next career move? Yeah, I think, you know, first off, you have to be confident, you know, because it's an opportunity or a point in time where your confidence is going to be challenged. If you've taken the time to build your skill set, to build your toolkit, um, you should go into this job search with the utmost confidence. The thing that troubles a lot of folks is when they're not prepared, when they haven't taken advantage to be an expert in their craft, so to speak. And then these type of items pop up on them. It knocks them down pretty hard. And so, you know, really taking the time to be an expert at your craft and having the confidence that regardless of what happens to you in your particular role that you're currently at, you should feel confident that you can go get another role. That's really good advice. And then when it comes to like searching, I think you mentioned relationships, any other tools or strategies that people should think about as they you know go through their career search today. You know, I wish there was some type of secret sauce. I'd bottle it and sell it myself. <laughs> but, you know, just getting out there, just getting out there and meeting good people that have the relationships or contacts that you could potentially leverage. You know, it's a numbers game. It might take you 90 to 100 different opportunities to go meet and interview with people before you land that role. So it's definitely a journey. It's definitely an uphill battle. But I think, you know, you just have to be prepared for what you're getting into and just go at it with some aggressiveness. I love that. The other thing, you know, when I was looking you up, I noticed that you graduated high school very young at the age of 16, which is really impressive. 
How do you think that experience shaped your career trajectory? Obviously, you went into sports after, but still, that's a very young age. How do you think that modeled who you are today? Yeah, first, I'll say this. I never thought of myself as like this super academic person. But what I will say by graduating high school early, it forced me to mature a little bit faster than, you know, than normal and become very independent. And so most people are having fun and partying and stuff when they're in their teens and late teens. But it made me become extremely serious because I knew I had an opportunity to achieve or at least strive to achieve something that not a lot of people had an opportunity to do. And so it created a level of urgency. And I think that level of urgency is what I took away the most. I mean, you know, life is real. You're only going to have one shot at certain opportunities. So I wanted to make sure going back to that theme of preparation that I was as prepared as possible. You know, when you think about your career and your growth, but also some of the projects and and impact you've made on the different companies you worked with, what's one project or, you know, either a feature or a change in organization that you drove that makes you extremely proud and why? Tell me one example. Yeah. First, I'll start with developing talent. I think at each organization, I've been able to successfully grow folks from entry level to senior director and VP level for the most part. And thinking of those stories and those late nights to explain processes and just really instilling every ounce of information that I've had into certain people and then watching them blossom, I think has had the most impact on me from a career perspective. And I know the organizations that I've worked for have reaped the benefits as well with the leadership that we've developed in our teams. I think that's awesome. I think, you know, it's so hard, especially for new managers to think about developing people. I think you've talked about the key part of that is to pass the right information, be patient, teach them. Are there any other things that for newer managers that may be listening and thinking, how can I provide development and developing my people under me? Any other lessons that you think would be interesting around this? Well, you know, I think it. let's get away from the company. I think it's more on an individual and a personal basis. It's a huge question, but I would say it begins with having a true interest in people and helping them develop. If you build that relationship with the person and you have a genuine care about that individual and it comes across, that person will run through a brick wall for you and give you the results that you need as a company. So that's why I try to spend a lot of time coaching and getting to know people so that they know that the information I'm sharing with them is genuine and I have their best interests in mind. And, you know, at the end of the day, I come from the place that everybody that you hire has a certain level of intelligence. Everybody's smart. Let's just call it that. So if you spend the time to nurture the person, then you get the benefits of all the intelligence and good decision making that comes along with that person. So the company's going to get the benefit if you genuinely care about that employee. And that's what I hang my hat on. I love that. I think the caring and also, you know, every person's motivated by very different things and thinking about what gets them. I like that a lot. If I may add to that, if you don't mind, a lot of people just can come into a role and just do the job and go home. But you're not going to get every ounce of production out of that person. But on the other side of the coin, if you build that professional emotional relationship with that person and they know that you have their best interest in mind, then you're going to get every ounce of production out of that person. They'll be willing to give it to you. So, you know, that's kind of an example that I've seen work. And, you know, I've been blessed to see from mentors and leaders that I've worked for in the past. And I had to put that into my playbook. Awesome. 
So we talked a lot about something that you've been proud of. How about, you know, as a leader in the hospitality industry, is there a challenge you faced in building WorldCrest customer experiences and how did you overcome that challenge? You know, I think the um, characteristics to be a leader in the hospitality industry are similar to other industries where there's a premium on delivering, let's just call it memorable experience with customers. Challenges from a post-sale experience are in line with other industries and disciplines. It's mostly from an internal perspective. It's a balancing act. Everybody has similar problems, such as managing competing priorities, managing resources, you know, and things like that. Those are the most challenging items. Another common challenge that I'm thinking about is that you have to continually motivate your team to want to come to work each day and show up and perform at the best of their ability. And so to address those challenges, like I mentioned before, I just try to be as transparent as I can be and giving them that layer of education. You're making me think about one of my catchphrases that I say all the time with my team is that, you know, you get compensated in two ways. You get compensated with the check that you earn from the company. And you also get compensated with the experiences that you learn. And those are two forms of payments. And my role as a leader is to, more importantly, accelerate their learning curve so they get paid that second way with experience. The faster I can get them up to speed, the better off they're going to be, which means the better off the company is going to be. I love that. So, you know, you've talked a lot about leadership and being a good manager. Let's talk about mentorship, right? Like sometimes outside of your manager, you can have important mentors that can help you grow in your career. Any mentors or advice you received that helped you shape that? And do you have any advice for people who are looking for mentors? How should they go about finding their next mentor and asking them to be their mentor? Yeah. When I think about my mentors, you know, they really showed me what a leader should really be. I personally grew the most when I had a leader that was willing to take me under their wing, to really show me the ropes and not just rely on me to do my job. Those leaders had an outward focus. And again, you know, I took a page right out of their book. They cared about me as an individual. They cared about tutoring me, showing me the way that meetings were going to run and the agendas from people that were in the room that I would have never learned to even look for and understand. Those are the things that I think mentorship is really about. And I think that's lacking overall when we think about corporate America and developing the next level of leaders. So, you know, I spend a lot of time, again, coaching those individuals to look for those nuances and keys and motivations of different team members so that they can navigate the room properly and then execute like they need to. I like that. And then, you know, the advice on how to get a mentor. People are sometimes early in their careers. I remember myself, I was like, People talk about mentors, but how do I get someone to mentor me, especially? I mean, if they're a manager, it makes sense. But if they're not your manager and you want someone to mentor you, how do you go about it? That's another tough question. But I think the best way to go about it is just to ask. You know, my thing is, you know, somebody that I think is cool or just doing a great job in their role or somebody that I aspire or think that I want to aspire to be like, ask them. You know, that's what I did. And I've had conversations with mentors in the past that, never really thought of themselves as a mentor. But when they took a step back and really looked at how our relationship was developing, they were like, yeah, I guess I am your mentor. And so, yeah, it's more of an upward look by the mentee to say, hey, you know, I want to be like this person. And, you know, for me, I get flattered when somebody approaches me and says, hey, man, will you be my mentor? I love that. On the topic of advice, you're a leader. You've been in customer success for a long time. What are some advice for listeners who are looking to grow their careers and customer success? Be a master of your craft. You know, I think that's the biggest statement that I think people don't commit to. You have to be 100% in. Early in your career, 
and I was the same way, you might not know which direction you want to go. But once you commit, then the roadmap is pretty much set out with information you need to know, skill sets that you need to obtain, people that you need to listen to, to develop your career. And then it's just a matter of being bold enough to apply for the right opportunities to enhance your career. That's how I would approach it. I will say that customer success is a role that isn't for everybody. You know, it's going to be times that the effort and the energy aren't recognized. You Mm. do a lot of work behind the scenes where you're not going to get the trophies and accolades. But when you take a step back and think about it, this is the foundation of a lot of companies, the way they treat their customers. You know, you have to be driven by what I call an act of service mentality. And if you do have that fiber or that fabric, then, you know, the customer success path can be one that can be really rewarding and fulfilling. It's really good advice. I feel like you've given us a lot of awesome advice, but what's one thing that you've done in your career or helped drive your career that someone wouldn't know about you if they were like just about to do a Google search? Well, I don't know if it's anything that I've already done in my career that you'll be able to find by a Google search, but you know, I'm extremely passionate about helping people get better. That's something that I've been more out in the forefront with probably over the last three or four years than ever before. You know, I think that's really the key. That's the secret sauce to the things that I do and what motivates me to get up. And it's to, you know, help people succeed. So I I get really motivated about that. Cool. Well, this was awesome. We usually end with a lightning round of a few fun questions to get the audience to get to know you better. So I hope you're ready. Let's go. Okay. If you had to delete all the apps on your phone and you could only keep one, what would you keep? It would probably be Tidal, my music app. I am a huge wow, that's a music new one. lover. Yeah. People close to me know that, you know, back in the day, I'm the guy that used to make the latest mixed CDs and mixed tapes of all the new and up and coming artists. And, you know, I'm the guy that's digging through albums, finding that one song that people might have missed. So, yeah, I got to have my title and my streaming app for music. That's awesome. How about a nap? that enable you to talk to an animal, what animal would you pick? Oh, definitely a dog. And if you want to know some particulars, an American bully or a pit bull, you know, that's my breed of dog. So that would be the answer to that. And then lastly, what's an app that's unlikely on your phone that people who know you might be surprised to know that you have this app? (laughs) Calm. That Calm app to help you relax and the meditation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got hooked on that and started listening to the nighttime stories and lullabies to help me sleep better and automatically got hooked. So a lot of my friends, they'd laugh at me if they knew that was on there. That's awesome. I also have that. I haven't used it enough (laughs) recently, especially to this SVB debacle. I should probably use it more. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Eddie. This was amazing. Thank you for your time and all the advice. And it was just wonderful to have you on the show today. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to this and share with someone trying to grow their career. Until next time, keep growing.